Uh, and the Good countdown evening. always makes me feel so silly. You know, you know, I do. I get that that uh, that butterfly in your chest when when you're going around in class and they, you got to introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're sitting there and you're like, "My good it's lord, man, I know my fucking name. Why, why am I terrified?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, hey. it's, I feel like it's a moment that news anchors maybe experience when they're being like counted in and they're just like, "Oh my god." Man, the amount of times like people have been burned for not realizing they're alive, it just terrifies yes. me. Yes, oh that's gosh. exactly what I was going to say. It's a great indicator for us, uh, or for for my perspective, because I was going to crack a joke, but I saw the countdown. I was like, you know, maybe not. Maybe not we'll Never wait. mind. <laughs> I, well, I mean, fair enough. Uh, for 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 those of you who don't recognize the sultry notes of of that gentleman's voice it uh, belongs to my dear dear friend francois Ouellet. um that's what they call deceived. me when i'm in trouble though yeah, yeah. Right. yeah everyone frank's calls him frank it. yeah <laughs> frank's a bro frank's awesome uh frank and i of course met in the army and mm-hmm. now frank is frank is doing incredible things and i'll, I'll, I'll let frank discuss uh what he's done and and what he's doing now um, but I'm super, super excited to have you here and to have yes. a conversation. Yeah, thank um, you for being I'm on. Very thank you so here. much for being here with us, man. This is fantastic. Yeah. So, Frank, I feel like we we like starting our uh, sort of guest appearances by getting a little bit of your background story. You know, like your own personal history. Uh, where Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about your origin story. All right. Well, uh, I was born in 1988. So uh, way back. If you're, if you're, if anybody's doing quick math, uh, you're from the 1900s. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> One of those old guys now. Definitely feeling old sometimes when I wake up in the morning. Oh, with I feel you. Hip injury yeah. and shoulder injury. It's like a yeah. working progress. You're not, you're not stiff like you used to be. You're stiff in the other way. You know, it's like your fucking back <laughs> is seized up. No, don't worry, bro. It's all stiff. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, John. born 1988 here uh, in my where I live now, not in this house, but like in this town, a uh, town ish, uh, Camelton, New Brunswick, northern part of New Brunswick. Um, an Acadian, French is my first language. Uh, learned English. I think I learned English as I was learning French, but I mean, people can still tell that English isn't my first language. I got this. Okay. Uh, some people say I got a lisp, a little accent here and there, or whatever, but. Now, when I speak French to people around here, they tell me, oh, where are you from? <laughs> okay. Apparently, I speak a little too Quebecois for the region. So, yeah, it, uh, so, it throws people off. Sorry, for those who yes. don't know, Acadian French is like New Brunswick specific. I'm, I'm so right? glad you brought this up. I was just I'm, writing I'm sorry, a note I'm about just, that. I'm very obsessed with yeah, it. It reminds me, it's like the the English equivalent to me is like Newfoundland. Hmm. And then, and then in French, it's Acadian, and so I don't know. I just get real jazzed when I get to. to I was just making a note. I was like learning. You're like, I think I learned French and English at the same time, and I'm like, oh, that explains Acadian. Like this, (laughs) this is this makes perfect sense. No one learns a language; they learn this yeah i just learned acadian and uh i pretend i know french and english yeah, you, you know, kind of just do that, that, that it, right? filter and sort so, in your brain when you're having a conversation i'm curious because you're back in the town you're from are you like is there still a lot of acadian or is it french or is it english or is it mixed um here uh 
Hamilton specifics, I'd say it's a uh, half English, a quarter French and a quarter Acadian in that okay. sense. Uh, I mean, like a uh, dialect wise, like uh, yeah. I think everybody here, whether they're English or French are have Acadian roots anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause like there are people that have Acadian last names, but they don't speak French. Right. So yeah, they're still Acadians, right? Yes. It's not, it's not yeah. a language thing. It's more like a cultural thing. A culture right. thing. Yeah. Or, Cause that's it's how I see it anyway. I, I've, I don't know much about it, but like I heard that there was like a lot of migration or immigration. I'm not sure what the right term is uh, to New Orleans in the U.S. And there's like little pockets of it down there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the Cajuns. They call them the Cajuns down there. Yes. Which I actually have a lot of distance family down there. I have no not way. been down to visit yet, but it's a. Uh, it's in the uh, it's in the works. It's on the bucket list for sure to go down, cool. check out the food. the The food oh, in man. New Orleans is uh, it's something else. It's uh, out of this world. It's something I want to. It's experience I'd like to have. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say work down there, but at least visit and check out the food, take notes yeah. and restaurants and stuff like yeah. that, and bring it back yeah. here to Talk really to hit other the roots and make stuff. my yeah. catering a bit more uh, interesting in that sense with the the people's roots. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So uh, just to, to get back, uh, yeah, growing sorry. up here, growing up here, if I'm bringing it back to food, was uh, was you don't realize – how can I say this politely? <laughs> All right. It, it's not a culinary region. Like, no, yeah. I, I, I got to tell you what this is. <laughs> All right. This is, this is perfect because uh, Tom, uh, a mutual friend of ours uh, who's also from New Brunswick uh, – we joke about it all the time and, and Jen and I, we have this inside joke about growing up poor together and, <laughs> and the new Brunswick culinary experience can at times look like poor people food. And I'm talking oh, about absolutely. putting a hot dog on a slice of bread on mm. purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we're not having buns here. Anyway. Man, that's the kind of food I still eat when I'm prepping food to go cater for people. I'm like oh, yeah. making all this beautiful stuff and I'm eating like, a piece of bread with mayonnaise on it, literally. <laughs> man, like, like that. Then yeah. I'm like realizing what I'm doing what versus what I'm cooking. And sometimes right. I discourage myself. I'm like, Frank, you gotta you gotta take care of yourself a little more when you're cooking. Yeah, you gotta make the little chef portion. <laughs> yeah. Pardon? You gotta make a little chef portion. Yeah, yeah, I should actually. Well, I mean, I'm also tasting the food as I go to make sure it's on point. So, like, I'm not just eating a piece of bread mayonnaise, but yeah, it uh, it can get sad sometimes in that sense. Did you ever dip your bread in their sauce? Pardon? Sorry. Did you ever dip your bread in their sauce while you're cooking it to taste it? No, 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 no. No? no. Is that that too far? Well, I mean, it's not too far, but I think, like, there's nothing stopping me. I think it's just more of my own personal... I don't you don't want the bread to taste. taint your palate. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, that that I mean, like I don't know if, if if like a chef would be coming at your house and he'd be telling you he dipped his bread in your sauce to try it out and this and that. I mean, I think it, clients would be more inclined to go and like, oh, let's not take him the yeah, next yeah, time. I saw him eating hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, Frank. I keep interrupting. Oh, yeah. So long story short, that culinary scene back here uh, was not something that sparked my. Uh, my momentum, let's say, in the culinary role when I was a kid, it was always yeah. like just eight to eight, eight to eat, I guess. Um, yeah. Was- and, you know, that was it. That was mm-hmm. it. So growing up, it was more sports. I was very much implicated in the uh, student council, more from like grade nine to grade 12. I was the uh, 
was the, the no, I was the school president on my Jeez. last year in school. Um, <laughs> Guys, sports wise, I was mouth, a big okay. fan of uh, team sports. Played soccer, played hockey, played uh, volleyball, baseball. But my favorite things, my favorite sports, were always martial arts. I mean, it comes down to individual oh, yeah. sports, cool. but we still yeah. managed to, to to play it as like a team sport in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, martial arts were big in my life, even throughout like a. Once I graduated, uh, or my last year, last year in high school, joined the reserves just to see, like, hey, am I gonna like this army idea? Am I made for it? Well, let's check it out. Mm-hmm. Went the reserves, absolutely fell in love with it. So, transferred to Reg Force, went to RMC, where I met Colin. Mm-hmm. And even at RMC, like I kept going with Taekwondo. I was on the team for the first two years. Then uh, I dropped that and went off to uh, do MMA classes in uh, in town. Nice. Um, graduated with the uh, military and strategic studies bachelor's, which is at the time I just I it seemed like the easiest thing to do and the to get where I wanted to go. Okay. Looking back, I wish I had a different mentality because in right. my mind I'm like I'm going to be in the army for 25, 30 years. I'm not going to need it. I'm not going to you know I'm not going to leave the army or anything. And look at me today, you know, like dumb uh, young bachelor's can't do nothing with my bachelor's so which hindsight is not a bad thing because maybe that's what geared me towards a bit more a bit more towards the culinary world perhaps um, yeah and i yeah, mean so, yeah. say i feel like all the experiences that we live bring us to who we are now so it's a, it's like a Absolutely. butterfly effect thing right i agree Where if you start yeah. pedaling back who knows what would fall off as well along the way that's yeah, and that, that, that's what I tell myself. Like when I start thinking about my past and all that, I, yeah, I think about who I am now and how how much I I've evolved as a human, and I wouldn't change a single thing. Not the good, not the bad, absolutely nothing. It was, uh, yeah, I think it's a great mentality to have to 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 thrive more in what I'm doing today for me, nice. me personally. So yeah, um, I think that's RMC. like growth. Like, oh, I don't yeah. want to say the definition of growth, but like for personal growth, I feel like that's, that's the goal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think it's, it's something that, you know, you say it's the goal, but like, uh, you have to also have the mentality that you're never going to achieve your goal. Otherwise you're going to stop, you know, progressing. That's a good it. point. But I mean, everybody, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I graduate, graduated RMC, uh, went off to battalion, did a whole bunch of stuff in the army, um, Total, I was in the Army for 15 years as a, an infantry officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, got out as a captain. Um, not quite a senior captain, but in the process of becoming a senior captain. I was a company 2IC at the infantry school. Mm-hmm. And I did my uh, my DL portion of the uh, AOC. Uh, I have no idea how it, how it's ran today, but at the time it was divided into you had your DL and your residency. Well, I didn't get the residency because at the time, that's when I was uh, told that I was uh, getting out of the army, it was a, a medical release. So after that went on uh, and worked at Brubaker's in Fredericton. So nice. uh, that right there was my big, uh, or my first professional cooking gig. This was in uh, okay. February of 2020. And I had already okay. been catering for about a year once I got to uh, to Brubaker's. So, so tell I worked me under, what that yes. looks like. Uh you were catering on your own or with a company? No, no, no. Just uh, <laughs> it's on my own. Nice. It's, okay. Uh, so this, uh, the whole catering thing stems back to like uh, my 
oh, my best friend from since like third grade, mm-hmm. uh, Jean-Philippe Leblanc, uh, his parents were English big guy. foodies. And uh, pardon? That's an English, English guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the English uh, Canadians. No, no, it's French. I know we, uh, we've, been, we've known each other since, uh, sh- since kindergarten, really. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, even today, today, we still keep contact. I think it's my longest lasting relationship we'll say outside of like a family. I've never had a friend for that long. He's right. my longest friend uh, since even to, to today, mm-hmm. but his parents would, uh, would love to talk about cooking. And I, I'd been cooking for like, seriously for like, uh, nine years about, Oh, I say nine years, eight years. I started cooking when I got to battalion in, uh, January, 2012. That's when I really started realizing like, Hey, I, I like this and I can do this kind of thing. So it, it was all like the, the, the masterclasses, the cookbooks, the YouTube videos, all, all of this, like oh, wow. self-teaching. Uh, deep dive. So eventually they, they got wind of that and they would follow my, my progress. And eventually they're like, Hey, why don't you start catering kind of thing? And they're like, yeah, yeah. So it was Ron's birthday uh, at some point And he invited me over to cook for, I think there were like six or eight kind of thing. And uh, I cooked and they just absolutely loved it. So it was like, it was very uh, reinforcing in that sense. So mm-hmm. yes, yeah, uh, they set up my first uh, catering gig actually, which were friends of theirs. Okay. And from there, well, I just kept on going, got a business license, got my, my courses and all that stuff that I needed, my licenses and mm-hmm. certificates and started advertising. So it, it picked up and people in New Brunswick liked it a lot. I say New Brunswick, oh, but I mean, I've also catered in Quebec and, uh, and in Ottawa as well, which was nice. fantastic. Um, so yeah, the catering uh, goes back to 2019. Uh, yeah, it's a, so yeah, it's a, it's a one man show. It's just myself. And today, back then, that's not what I did, but today what I do is, uh, I offer a five course meal for groups up to like 12. I say okay. 12 because 12 for a five course meal i can still manage on myself but it's uh more than 12 i need a waitress to come and help either do dishes or yeah. uh, sometimes a bit of plating depending on how intricate the dishes are it's a it's a it's a it's a beast of its own in that sense because catering versus restaurant work like mm-hmm. i love the restaurant work because i learn i'm there to learn i'm there to pick the chef's brains like it's just like mm-hmm. okay give me everything you got but then when I get to my catering, the beautiful part of that is that I get to see people's reactions on the first bites. We mm. don't get that in the restaurant, right? So that mm-hmm. people don't need to tell me they like my food. I can see if they like it or not. I can see mm-hmm. the reactions. I can see like the, the, the reset in the body, you know, and the, the eyes, the, the smile. Sometimes people just look at me going like, oh, shit, what was that? You know, what mm-hmm. is that? What's the recipe? It's uh no, Does that, that, that right go there, the other way? it's instant gratification, right? It's what... <laughs> It's all about the instant gratification when it comes down to catering like that. And it's great because I get to interact with people, right? So For sure. yeah. I I absolutely love to make people laugh and feel good. So I can combo that together. You know, I make people laugh because I'm just a, a clown sometimes. Mm-hmm. And my food makes them feel good because I do put I do put a lot of love in my food. Like when I'm preparing here at home, like it's not when I'm cooking for myself, but you know, when I, when I'm cooking for myself, things are just, they're, they're done fast they're done whatever. But like when I'm cooking for people, I take my time. I look at what I'm doing. It's just a, it's a different level, right? It's a different level of love for cooking when I, when I'm cooking for other people. It's, so it's uh, interesting you, you say it like that. Cause I think of my mother-in-law, like I always say her love language is acts of service 
and her in the form of cooking. Like she yeah. loves to cook big meals, like the a big Sunday meal and have everybody over it. Like that she loves that. She just like friggin' yeah. lives for it. So oh, yeah. I get the feeling that that's kind of where you are a little bit too. Like if that's what brings you joy is like seeing other people love the food you're making. Like I I would dare to say that that would be like your love language as well and like how you share this passion with others. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And I want to push it even a bit more. Like love, like food is my love language, but not just giving food. But if you're bringing me food, Mm. Uh, yeah, or, nice. it, or if you're cooking you're like, for me, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh watch yeah, out! Yeah. It, means, yeah. it means something, you know. It's a uh, and it, you it's know not where just it's like coming uh, from. Yeah, yeah, and you can tell when somebody puts love in food or not. It's like you, you, the first yeah. bite says it all. It's uh, you know, was this done on the fly just so you'd eat it and stop, you know, being hangry, or mm-hmm. was this done with love because somebody <laughs> wants to take care of you? You know, it's a uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's nice. Food is a. Uh, well, I mean, regardless people's languages, food always brings people together. You know, we can yes. not understand yeah. each other. You put food on the table, it's good food. We're going to figure out how to have a great time. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Food. Mm-hmm. Know, it's, it's, food's amazing in that sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. And, and uh, to your point, like the hangry factor, you know, if if you are in a bad mood and somebody brings you a terrible dish, like that's just sets you off worse, right? <laughs> I think anyone. Oh but man! If you're having, if, if, they asked for the yeah. chicken yeah. three <laughs> times. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. that's the thing. Like it, it, it's it's very person depending as well because sometimes somebody's gonna have the good intention of trying to make you happy with food, but they don't really know how to cook. They're still sure. doing their best, right? Sure. So yeah. it, it, I think for me, it's important to recognize that because, like, I think. The comment I hear the most is people don't want to cook for me because it stresses them out. Okay, like, interesting. Slap a hot dog on a, on on a, a piece, on a piece of bread. Of bread. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to cook. I'm happy. Yeah. 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 There you go. So yeah, no, it's a yeah, it, it's a food, food, food cooking. It's a it's a, it's, a, it's quite a beast. It's, it's so a lovely beast. You were saying it, it kind of like dates back quite a few years for you. What was your first sort of forte into making like a, a nice meal? Like, do you remember what it was that kind of like triggered it? Was it one moment or was it just like a series of things? No, I think it was more, it was progressive. It was definitely progressive. I had to gain momentum with it. And uh, it's once, uh, once, and I was gaining momentum with it without realizing, right? So it was more okay. like at the beginning, it was more like a survival thing. Like, hey, I'm in Vicartier. At the time, my wife uh, was posted in uh, Edmonton, um, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Let's do this, you know. Uh, let's learn how to cook, kind of thing." So I had to figure out what I liked. But that again, it comes down to my childhood. I was like, "Okay, what did I eat that I liked when I was a kid?" And I kind of right. figured that out, and then like thought about the restaurants that I had been going to, all the, the these nice places I was discovering, the new foods I was discovering, and all that. So mm-hmm. I kind of. That was my, my start point with that. And eventually I realized that, hey, I really like French cuisine. And it's like, oh, my God, for, you know, there, there's a long list of reasons. But um, oh my gosh, yeah, so I started 
looking a lot at Gordon Ramsay because, I mean, Gordon Ramsay was everywhere, the biggest celebrity chef ever and all that. And I was mm-hmm. buying his cookbooks and all this stuff. And along the way, you, you do a bit more research and, uh, you know, you realize who trained Gordon Ramsay, right. looking at Mr. White as well, or Chef White. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, from there, it was just, it was just like a... Show a some fucking life. respect, Frank. <laughs> can't believe you called him Mr. White, my yeah, God. Right. <laughs> you fucking insolent... Ne- oh, I can't believe he's not here, man. Oh, Frank. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he... Uh... I'm so, done. so mad at you right now. That's okay, man. I'm used to it. Oh. <laughs> Carry on. But, uh, but yeah, it just um, developed all these courses and all that stuff. And eventually, like, uh, I think even, like, within the first year that it was starting to, to, to cook, I was already inviting people over to try things, to see and all that. And, like, I was getting yeah, good yeah, feedback. Yeah. But then again, like, at the time, thinking about what I used to cook for people, I'm like, did they really like it or were they just being nice, you know? <laughs> you start thinking all sometimes. <laughs> oh, man, I hate that self-doubt. That's ugly. Yeah, and uh, eventually, like, uh, fast forward, working at Brewbakers, worked at Brewbakers for eight months. So I started off at bottom of the food chain in February, and at, in uh, October, I was a junior sous chef. So I was, nice. uh, and the only reason I wasn't sous chef so just was because me, I didn't have a culinary degree. Okay. The bottom, we'll use the brim of my hat as top. Yeah. Where's sous chef? Say when. So the sous chef is the second in command of the kitchen. He's, so, he's your warrant. We'll boom. Say. Yeah. So there was no sous chef, but I, I I was filling the role as junior sous chef. And when I would have gotten back from getting my culinary degree, I would have gotten the actual sous chef title at that place. Okay, uh, okay. I was under uh, Jay Rosado. Great chef, amazing. Taught me so much. Got me really ready for school. Also trained in French cuisine, so there was a lot to learn there. A lot of uh, a lot of a lot of great things. A lot of good times with that guy. It was fun. And uh, another guy that trained me at Brewbakers was uh, Alistair. <laughs> Alistair. He is a gem of a person. It was a, I had such a great time at Brewmakers. It was amazing. Um, so December, uh, put my, well, I didn't put my two weeks in. The chef knew I was going at culinary school. Right. Mm-hmm. So mid-December-ish, I kind of left Brewmakers, got ready to go to school. Mm-hmm. Went to school at the Le Cordon Bleu in the Ottawa in uh, January 2021. Amazing. No you could say it's a nine-month program, but I did it in uh, in uh, 12 months because I had oh, okay, to, after my much. second semester, I had to you were take gonna a pause. Say... I, thought, I thought you were going to say you like did, did the executive version. Like, yeah. I did it in six. I was like, holy frig, man. <laughs> oh, my God. No, hey, the, 12 the program is a healthy did... amount of time, yeah. 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 Well, the, there's three months out of the, I, it still takes uh, nine months, but the three months, the three extra months, I had to come back home, uh, take care of a few things, sell a house, move. Oh uh, my gosh. Wow. Go back and finish yeah, my that's... last semester okay. from September to December 2021. But uh, the program I did is uh, Le Grand Diplôme. So Le Grand Diplôme is essentially two programs in one simultaneously. So it's okay. you're doing your uh, your cuisine and your pastry diplomas at the same time. Ooh. Okay, I know so, another yeah, person I, who did this. She said it was like this is so intense. <laughs> well, you, you want to know what? Like that that's what I hear too, and I think it's because I had the restaurant experience. Ah, okay. In yes. and that I was like prepared by uh, Jay on mm-hmm. like French techniques. He showed me like a lot of knife skills. Would be doing like how to quarter chickens, like all like the the stuff that I saw in like basic and even maybe a little bit into inter- intermediate, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was great. It was, 
it was uh it was it was awesome you know and even like i finished first of my program because of that probably amazing yeah yeah, it was it was great it was a great experience like and also like after being in the military i found that it it wasn't stressful it wasn't stressful okay i think that the my stress was to was to make like the best dishes i could it wasn't like a time constraint. It wasn't like a pressure from the chefs. It wasn't anything like that. It was my stress was brought by myself. Right. Self-made. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Because like, even kind. like, <laughs> yeah, like even in class, like class was designed that when you're cooking, it's almost the same. It, it's, it's a restaurant rush when you're cooking. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've been talking to other people from other schools and it's not like that. They're pretty chill in class. The, the chef's around, he's talking and all that. But us, it's like, okay, you have this amount of time. You have two hours and a half to do a dish that takes like three hours to make. Go, make it happen. Oh kind of thing. So okay. It was great in that sense, but no, there's no buts. It was great in that sense because, you know, I, I could already manage that. Like having four pans on the stove and something in the oven. Like for me, I was already doing that at Brewbakers, right? So right. Yeah. getting there, it was nice. So it was more like, like the shock of I the could, kitchen culture was already like, yeah, the damage was gone. Like, yeah, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. you already were like confident in the kitchen. Yeah, confident-ish. I didn't really know what I was getting into in that sense, so I could only be so confident. But okay. um, there, there's still parts where you know I still had a hard times with a few few things. There's still struggles and all that. I'm not saying that I aced everything, but yeah, um, you had different challenges. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's some yeah. people, a lot of people, like, there's some people that quit because they can't take the pressure. Like, it's, they realize right. it's not what they want to do or, or yeah. something like that, which is, like, a not the greatest place to realize it's not what you want to do because there's mm-hmm. a nice price tag that comes with it. I was going to say the yeah. financial commitment of Cordon Bleu is, yeah, is quite... If yeah. I remember properly, the, the Grand Diplôme is something like, once everything's said and done, around 62 grand. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah. Does that include, yeah, like, and, equipment? And stuff. Pardon? Does that include like your equipment and stuff? Yeah, uh, the knife bag, and I, I say knife bag, but there's more than knives in there. Like, uh, mm-hmm. whenever I go down to Kingston, man, I'll, I'll bring it. You'll see. It's nice. uh, it's an equipment bag kind of thing. It's this big pouch. There's like three zippers on it, and every there's stuff in it. Oh, I, I know that. Okay. It's like a roll bag almost kind of thing. No, I got one of no? those too, but it, it doesn't fit enough stuff. A roll oh, yeah. bag is mm-hmm. nice. Let's say like I'll use my roll bag if I'm catering for people and I know I only need my knives kind of thing, or like very mm. minimal amount of, uh, of like tools to bring. But most of the time I just bring my, uh, my sacoche, my, uh, <laughs> sacoche. <laughs> my, my bag. And, you know, yeah. um, I have a question for you, Frank. Yeah. Uh, it, it, what is French cuisine? French cuisine. Oh man. That is uh, by definition. Exactly. Like that is, such a great question i couldn't even tell you man it's so much so many things but like like, like t- when you're t- talking t- about t- french cuisine you're really talking about specific... are you asking for a meal uh examples no, 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 no. like what are oh, the characteristics okay. of like te- french cuisine like and it, stuff? it all comes down to techniques and like how you're preparing your ingredients which which okay. ingredients you're using to make like whatever dishes like for sure you have like your your classic french dishes we're going to talk about you know stuff like all the way back to like you know it's a it, 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 there's all these classical dishes that come out of France, but e- even like to this day, there's more like modern French cuisine, they call it. So it's still like using mostly, I'd say, um, 
ingredients that come from France to recreate their classical dishes in a new modern way in that sense. But like, let's say like, I'm going to, I'm going to call it French cuisine, what I'm making now, but you know, am I quite respecting that mentality? We'll say no. Cause I mean, I can't put my hands on like all the nice, beautiful French cheeses I'd like to I have. See. Like the, the French lamb kind of thing. And, so you would know, you, it's kind of hard when it comes down to that. Like so. a, the authenticity is not like 100%. But you no, are. exactly. So, but, like to me, yeah. it comes down to like the techniques you're going to use to prepare your food and present mm-hmm. it. Yeah, because so, like in my mind, I I don't think uh, unless you go to a restaurant that does only that, it it only makes sense. But I think most chefs these days are just picking and choosing from everything that that they like about different things and putting together these incredible yeah. flavors and stuff. Yeah, it's hard to find a restaurant that will, will just specialize, we'll say, in like Italian cuisine or like French cuisine or whatever, sure. especially like our, I'm talking specifically for New Brunswick, we'll say, because okay. we just don't have the population to accommodate like specialties like that. Like even going at the store, going at the store, like a, even if I go to the store here or the store in Moncton, like you're not going to find foie gras anywhere, man. You got to know who's who. And, uh, you know, Excuse who me, does can you only find the foie gras? Well. The what? <laughs> that would be incredible to watch. All right, yeah, that's great. I love it. So, yeah, so, like, it, it, it can get kind of rough in that sense to recreate specific French dishes, we'll say. Okay. Uh, you got to – sometimes I got I to gotta find the second best thing and, like, uh, modify it and just – call it whatever instead of mm-hmm. french cuisine sometimes yeah. so there's a bit like some substitutions and whatnot happening so that you can i i'd say 100 yeah. percent of the time yeah. especially like here in camelton like i can go the five stores and have a quarter of what i need really like realistically kind of thing and then i have to adapt what every chef loves so yeah, right <laughs> you uh it's it's more like uh frank's cuisine with like some french inspiration really oh yeah we're just i just call it frank's kitchen frank's kitchen hey. and and when frank's. you when you say you offer five course meal do you do you choose the courses do you offer the clients a selection or do you let them choose what they want all of the above so oh, wow. every menu is specific to the group i'm going to be cooking for it's never the same menu i don't have set menus so i talk with the clients or like a client, whoever's like in charge of the group or contacts me. And from there, uh, my first questions are dietary restrictions and uh, allergies. So Mm -hmm. I take that into consideration. I want to make sure everybody's having a good time and everybody can eat everything that I'm offering. So Mm -hmm. from there, "Mm, no, I got to pick this out of it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, So from there I create a menu, like a proposal menu and I send it off and from there we readjust nice. that's pretty know, cool if we need to or if that's pretty happy. neat i like that sorry this yeah. is just like giving me um reminding me i should say i watched that really trashy show um, oh, below deck yes below um, deck. you got to be a chef on a yacht you got to be a chef on a yacht dude and yeah because crush they, that well they all have to you do crush that a lot. right like that's part of their their thing when when they're setting up to purchase all the food that they need to last however long this charter will be and so sorry it's it's just reminding me of that like it's it's the same sort of you're employing the same yeah they do uh, exactly that process yeah 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 and uh what was the sorry 
What was no, the question? You answered the question. Totally man. Forgot what the question that was, was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like it's an open conversation between you and your clients to make sure that everyone's having a good time. Yes. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And from there on, like, uh, actually, I have a group on the ninth that I'm uh, very much looking forward to. Uh, cool. So, what I've started to do lately is that, so I. I, I don't cater for money. I cater for, for fun, we'll say, because I love it because this, it's what I do, right? So, um, of course, it's nice to have money. Don't get me wrong. But sure, where I'm getting yeah. at is that I like to offer little gifts to my clients. Now, I started this this year where um, my groups, I, actually, I order in caviar and it's a huge hit. Oh, my Ooh. God. People are loving it. And uh, the caviar <laughs> is, is here from the Brunswick, actually. So it's, oh, no it's shit. Sturgeon. That's freaking awesome. Oh, yeah, that's Sturgeon exciting. caviar. Yeah. yeah, from uh, they call it Acadian Sturgeon Caviar. Um, that's the name of the company, okay. and uh, it's great. You order it; it's at your doorstep in like two days, and it comes nice. in like this little pack where like it, it, oh, it's just very well made. It's great. It's great, and it's uh, yeah. So they have they're actually producing the number one sturgeon caviar on the planet. So it's, oh my it's, gosh, it's fantastic! Yeah, and it's right and there. Actually, that's I met so the exciting. gentleman and his wife. Pardon. And it's, it's like, it's right, right there, there in your backyard. You. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it, it is. And like what for like a, a puck, it's not that, it's not that expensive for like, if you're thinking about like quality versus price, it's like every time I order there, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm robbing them. It's like, wow. Okay. Mm. Walk, walk mm-hmm. us through it, Frank. Get, get me, get me a thing. Can you, cause we're recording this. Can you, can you go get a thing of caviar and show us and then tell us how much it costs? Do you have caviar oh, yeah. at home? Okay, I'll be right back. Because uh, I really am interested. This is like from the kitchen of Frank. <laughs> from Very the yeah, this is like when when those people are watching the Olympics and they're like, "Oh, you're trash." Like, I want to know what I think that's worth versus what, what a are professional we yeah thinks it's worth. You know what I mean? Yeah. The I have looked up like a ca- salmon caviar. Because apparently, it's almost very all good caviar is sturgeon, isn't it? I'm not sure. So. This this is the uh, this is what it com- it comes in, so like, this this is how big it is. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Like a, so this yeah. is full to the it's full to the rim when it. This so is for our rim. listeners who can't who maybe aren't watching the video oh, portion, yeah. it yeah. looks like it looks like a, a tin can of mints. I would say, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like a round mint, like a zin can, almost like a small dip tin of dip. Yeah, yeah, there small you go. Di- yeah, yeah there a small tin of dip. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how much how much how much does that tin cost? 125 bucks with uh delivery. Nice. I know, right? It's... That's such a great fucking deal, man. I can't oh, believe no. no one knows about this place. <laughs> what? They, they don't they offer more than just like caviar, right? So like for the uh, the sturgeons that uh aren't producing caviar anymore or I'm not sure exactly how they choose their sturgeons, but you can order sturgeon steaks as well. So they're really nice. using everything they can. That's perfect. No waste. Yeah. Like it's and they're great people. I met them this uh this past summer and they're just amazing people. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's a uh, so I, I, I it's a back fantastic connection. Wow. Oh yes. I uh, I have no idea if that's a good price or not. What is a, He's telling a, us a normal is, so price yeah. for that tin? Is what I'm getting at. No, that is the normal price for it. Oh, you said it was a good deal, though. It is a good deal. So if it's a good deal, what's the regular like market price? Oh no! I mean, deal in the sense that that's the regular price, but for the quality, like no, like if oh. you order it, that's what you're going to buy it as. 
as well. It's not like That's I'm, this is not like a privileged price for like chefs or anything. It's like okay. anybody. You go on the website, you order it. Yeah, boom. no, I, I I figured it was just uh, the company just had lower prices than other caviar mm. vendors. I guess you know what I mean. Uh, I've never checked to uh, compare to other types of sturgeon caviars, but let's see. Like if you're going with like Russian caviar, like beluga caviar, it's like. Bro, man, you would be paying like probably a hundred thousand dollars or something like this. Like, so, so you're oh, saying like for for what you're paying, it tastes incredible. Oh, absolutely. That's what absolutely. that's what the good deal is. Yes, it tastes Sorry, way it more the, than it costs. It's, it's the, way better it's the than French, the Canadian, and me. Uh, not yeah, uh... yeah. Do you now? <laughs> now, do you put caviar on bread too, or just hot dogs? Well. <laughs> 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 no, I've seen a lot of people, uh, like I, I see uh, a lot of people, yourself included, on TikTok, uh, a lot of chefs uh, prepping meals that they eat. And I actually really enjoy watching those ones because they're quick snapshots of how to prepare what yeah. look like super simple real, meals. But I'm, but, I'm yeah, sh- real food probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm sure the background is way, way worse. But um, um, they always, I see this one guy always puts it on like the, the, little piece of yeah. his hand here and eats it off his hand i'm like caviar bump okay well like if that's, but that's why is hilarious. it not going up his nose then okay yeah, name yeah. of the episode i also uh i also there's yes. this other guy caviar bump that's perfect there's this other um, guy who uh pops a gummy and then prepares his meal he, oh, like he, a, okay. He eats it's a, a THC gotcha, gotcha. gummy and then prepares yeah, yeah, yeah. his meal, and it's and he's like kind of like his de-evolution into stoner cooking. It's pretty pretty. There fun was stuff. a there was a girl, a, a woman, a young woman who used to do a, a drunk kitchen. I think it was called, oh. and she would drink Ooh. wine while preparing meals, but like a heavy glass of wine to start and then she would be like refilling it as she went and it was the same sort of thing you was just she watched blonde her get lady i can't read talks anyway uh, now i want to look it up but i can't i got always... I, I gotta know what what about that italian guy that's on the uh the british morning show all the time have you seen this guy on tiktok frank oh is he the one who I talks haven't. about like if my grandmother rode well, a bicycle yeah well if my grandmother had wheels oh she'd be a bicycle oh my god yes yeah <laughs> Because yeah, she makes a reference to hilarious. like, oh, well, if you put this, is carbonara? Yeah, it's it's almost, if you put hot ham in this, it's like a carbonara. And he goes, yes, and if my mother, if my grandmother my had grandmother... meals, she'd be a bicycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, so man. funny. Yeah. There was a great one. Uh, he and he's, his buddy But first go... he does this. Yeah. Like, he's like, can't grasp that she actually said that out loud. He's like, you know nothing. You know nothing. Oh, my God, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, it's funny the the things uh, the things I see sometimes on TikTok people make, and sometimes I, I I feel like there are some people that make videos specifically just to trigger chefs. It's like you can't. You know, They're just trolling. Troll. Yeah, it chef has to trolls. Be, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, is this person actually serious right now? It can't yeah. be. You know? Yeah. I I actually live. Like we're making a gourmet you... meal. You're like, no, it's wrong. I, yeah. <laughs> I lived with a guy, and you you know him when. Uh, I won't name him here. He's just a good friend of ours, but it's it's not my business to to share his name without his permission, you know. But uh, he uh, and and to to the other friends I've already name dropped. That's fine. I don't talk to this guy regularly. There's the difference. I see. Um, okay. Um, he he got so mad at us. Like when I make 
craft dinner mac and cheese Mm-hmm. If I'm doing the box stuff, I drain the noodles. I put the noodles back in the pot. Mm-hmm. I add the butter, the milk, and the powder, and then I mix it all up. Okay. And this guy fucking lost it. He's like, no! You, you got to leave the noodles, and then you got to put those three ingredients in the pan alone and make the sauce. I'm like, it's the same fucking thing, man. I mean, yeah. Like, you, you get to the same the end state. You do, man. Like, I, I, I just can't believe some people no are rules, so... There are no rules when it comes to food, really. That's mm-hmm. the thing, like... When people say, "Oh, you can't do that," I'm like, "Where's that written, bro? Where's that? Mm-hmm. Where's that law? I mean, let me do what I want. Let me express myself how I want on this dish and just chill. Just yeah. eat it after. And if you don't like it, don't don't eat my cooking anymore. That's all. I That's all. Um, yeah, like, I have I, a similar I, experience, but uh, in the world of floral design, uh, I I worked for a very brief moment at a flower shop, and I was taking an inquiry for a wedding client. And she had this vision of like mixing wildflowers with like dried flowers. And it was at the beginning, like I know not a lot of people know like the trends of wedding flowers or whatever, but dried I know I I do, but for everyone else, let let them know. Yeah. Yeah. Colin's Colin's up on it, but uh, for everyone else, um, like dried product is like so hot. It's, it's like dried palm leaves, dried flowers. (laughs) uh like preserved stuff so that anyways it's it's hot and this she was like pre-cooked potpourri essentially like it's just just not sliced and diced yet in some ways yeah i suppose but um this this woman was like at the precipice of of this trend and she was like i want to mix fresh wildflowers with dried stuff blah 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 and i was like this is amazing i think this is a great idea so easy to do and then the manager that i was working for was like no that's impossible you're going to have soggy dried product blah 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 just like talked her out of the whole thing oh my you can't God. do it and then she went elsewhere for her business because obviously um and i just i and i do that all the time now <laughs> it's just like where was it written that you can't mix this together oh, i just I don't you understand gonna, i thought you meant like you tell people they can't have what they want no oh my god yeah no. i was like that doesn't sound like you at all unless we're it playing just... Catan, and then it's very much you uh oh. Yeah. different person but yeah, did, did, I t- yeah i totally get it frank like i feel like there's just in in the world of creative stuff overall whoever said you can't do that i think has just always been proven wrong historically because there's always somebody who is gonna do it anyways right so oh here's a good yeah, question when a, it lot comes of time, to food, a lot of the time it comes down to like ego people have egos and they're like they recognize it's a good idea but they're in denial about it kind of thing so they just let I don't know. It's I don't know how to explain it. It's just it's more of a feeling I get when I hear that. But it's sure, like I, yeah. I feel it stems down to like it's just ego where people are like, "I'm smarter than you. You can't have yeah, a good idea yeah. if it's not my idea." Like right. in the kitchen world, anyway. Sometimes it's like that. It's a lot. They're so like intimidated. Yeah, by, yeah. By... it's getting better and better. I find with like the stories I hear. But okay. let's say back in the day in the kitchen, you you wouldn't suggest a dish to a chef kind of thing. It's, uh, okay, yeah. hey, chef, well, I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, but. Like on the flip side, this summer I worked in the St. Andrews at the Kingsbury Garden. And right, the chef I'm was out. actually like, hey, man, 
Time come out. up with a dish we're putting it on the menu and i did and it was it was a blast it it, it like it, is it like that's it, exciting it, it sold out in three days which saint so andrews are we talking about here new brunswick oh okay okay, okay. not yeah. scotland no <laughs> never been to scotland no, i was gonna be like why didn't i hear of this dude like uh i know yeah. we hardly ever talk but uh this is this is critical information for your yeah, best right. friend on the wings um i have uh Jenny, you said something, and I man, it was the flower thing. I can't remember what it was. I don't know, Colin. Was... I want you. I, I, we're we're gonna interrupt our beautiful oh. conversation with Frank for a moment. I oh, bless you. Yeah, no, I totally forgot. Hey, before I think we should we should lead into this uh, on a humorous note, Frank. I have a question for you. Is is Junior sous chef really just assistant to the sous chef? <laughs> Like, are we just mincing words here at this point? It like, depends. Like in the the way it was used when I was there was just like a it was just terminology. Okay, like I was the sous chef, but since I didn't have a culinary degree, I was a junior sous chef. Right. But let's say some restaurants will have so much staff that they'll have like a junior sous, a junior junior sous kind of thing. So it all depends on the crew and how it's implemented. Right. Like, in, I guess each kitchen, I was there, kitchen's different. I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So it always comes down to are they even following the brigade system or not in the kitchen? Oh, right. yeah, actually. Uh, so they're just the following, sh- like, a hierarchy of exactly, what your role yeah. is. So, like, yeah. the brigade system uh, actually stems back to, like, World War One from uh, August Escoffia. He was uh, he was a chef, also drafted to go to the uh, in the military and all that stuff, which, like, he invented a lot of things. Like he is the grandfather of the French cuisine. Like he is French cuisine in that sense. And he nice. also invented like a fruit uh, food uh, preserving, like in a canning, like he brought a lot to the mm-hmm. scene of what we still do today. And uh, the brigade system is one of those things. He brought that back from the military and started implementing it. So he found that the uh, kitchens were, work a lot better that way. Cause it wasn't free for all everybody doing whatever they want. The lack of respect in that sense. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that he did that was amazing which i absolutely love is like more of like a uh like a pr- production production chain when you're doing high volume kind of thing right so let's yeah. say if you're doing a meal i am just doing potatoes on the dish plate comes potato plate yeah, like potato, the team plate, challenges potato, on master chef totally get it i'm right mm-hmm. there with you That's and we actually awesome. did stuff like like for the weddings and the the events we catered this summer this is how uh chef han like uh managed it and it worked fantastic it was so fun like uh i think like uh out of this past summer i think weddings and big functions were my favorite because it, they were just so different atmosphere different beasts you know it resembled a, yeah. a bit more of like a catering instead of like a restaurant work in that sense yeah Very just much. even all the yeah. way down to like food preparation where we would just like all prepare food kind of thing together and it was it was great it was uh i learned a lot with that this summer it was fantastic that's, that's awesome great. and that was like a, a bit of like dipping your toes into larger well i know you've probably done larger groups before but like focusing on such a large group because you're yeah. saying like the, the majority of your catering these groups were like 140 160 per group right kind of thing, you know? so, yeah. yeah yeah so yeah. Things, hey, uh, you know what I, I yes. can't help but notice is how much creative energy it must take to put together the meals that you have to put together. Jenna, it, it, sorry, sorry, it, Frank. It, this is a this is a a thing I, I'm trying to do. Okay, right from fr- from the top. Take it away. Uh, what was my I, line again? What I said to, from the top. Never mind. 
Oh, Go ahead, you, were, you were saying it takes so much creative energy. It takes a lot of creative energy, but that also takes a lot of research and a lot of spending time in the books or even on, on flipping. Like sometimes I'll just go like a specific dish on TikTok and I'll just look at how people are presenting it, making it, preparing it. And I'll take what I want, what I don't want. I'll leave it kind of thing and make my own thing out of it. But like, it's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of time invested into gaining the knowledge, right? That's never going to end. There's that's true. The yeah. Thing with you gotta food get a all, it's always, um, not progressing, but it's always evolving into something bigger, something better kind of thing. And these ideas that are coming out, especially like if you're hitting more like molecular or like modern cuisine, some stuff gets like, oh my God, it's wow. But like the tools you need, the time you need, the the, 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 the precision you need is like out of this world. Like a, sometimes it's intimidating even like a, mm-hmm. when you want to, when you're looking to kick it up a notch, kick it, kick it up a notch for yourself by yourself it's uh it's a different ball game than going to school or working at a restaurant it's uh but it, it's fun but yeah like the creativity part is just i, I got a question for you frank right up obsessed no, sorry, with it. Like, I, I have an obsession i, I want to say this is all perfectly linked we're we're in cahoots with this product frank that we're about to make mention of um that like everything you just mentioned just now is uh like what we have discovered this product helps with um and colin knows better than i but uh yeah it's called magic mind it helps creative people and it helps you stay energized uh and it replaces traditional energy drinks and um you know colin can speak to us about it a bit more yeah it really does work it's like it's like this tall it's a little shot it's a little uh (laughs) It's a little energy shot. It's not chapstick this, size for those of you listening. Kind of thing, but uh, it's it's got all great ingredients, clinically tested, uh, professionally sourced, and endorsed, which is uh, a really big thing. The people who are experts in it not only recommend, like, offered it as a solution to to the to the problem, but also you know put their their sort of vouchers vouchership behind it. And uh, the the cool thing was, is the owner of the company, this is kind of ties right into a question that I have for after this, but it it was the result of a problem he had. So he developed this as a solution to a problem he had. And it's uh, it's great. It's a great way to to stay energized and keep your brain refreshed uh, without having to worry about caffeine later on in the day or those post-coffee jitters. Um, So you can go to magicmind.com slash we made it and use uh, and get what's it 20 percent off or something so it's what uh get one month free if you sign up for three months right now um and yeah i just feel like that it speaks really well to what frank was just saying like there's so many like different needs for for needing energy and you know as we said at the beginning of the episode we're not getting any younger (laughs) So oh my this God, might be no. something that we need more and more. Um, but yeah. And I also, I, I made mention of this last episode, but um, I really like that they support mental health efforts. Uh, right. Percentage of all one. the sales go towards mental health uh, supports. And so I feel like that's that's really important as well. So yeah. Thank that's you for awesome. allowing us to, to mention that today. And uh, yeah. So. This, it's kind of an interesting question, and it's it's more like a philosophical thing. We were talking earlier about, uh, you know, uh, 
perspectives on types of cuisine and how sort of <clears throat> culinary innovation is often a result of breaking those rules or breaking out of those norms and kind of thing. And uh, I was just wondering, like we, 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 we talk about the value of breaking the rules as a form of innovation. Um, what if there were no rules? Do you think there'd be just as much creative innovation? Do you think it without, like with regards without, to school, you mean? I mean, just like as in the world, like as, as far as creativity has to go, like where you're looking for people to <clears throat> think about, I don't know a, uh, a culinary example, like sliced bread or whatever, you know, or like okay. the potato chip, like accidental kind of things, things mm -hmm. that broke the mold. The or gummy bear. Do you think that was made on purpose or by accident? I have no idea. But if, if <laughs> people didn't have that rebel attitude that like, don't tell me I can't do this. I'm going to do it even right. harder now. You know what I mean? Like, or how uh, can I do this differently? Yeah. Do you, do you think there would, do you think we'd be as creatively uh, energized as we are without, without rules? And I guess my question is, is like, do we still need those wieners to be like, nay, that's not French cuisine. You forgot that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think like the rules are there just as a guideline, not necessarily something to, to, to follow. They're more there to like, help you stay within the boundaries of calling something something, right? Calling yeah. Italian cuisine, Italian cuisine, or French cuisine, mm. French cuisine. Otherwise, like, when we bend the rules, we just call it a fusion. That's it. You know, you mm -hmm. call whatever a fusion, and the chefs are like, oh, yeah, cool, right on, you know? Uh, but if you call it French cuisine, and there's, like, a fusion in it, they'll be like, oh, you sure about that one, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Like, I see. You can just um, éviter. Um, Avoid. Man. What's that? Avoid. Thank you. <laughs> you can just avoid that by calling it a fusion, let's say, in uh, in cuisine or like. But I think like it's a great question because like I think it could probably be seen like in two ways where like you got these people that when you tell them you can't do that, they listen, they shut down, they they stop talking. They're like, yes, sir, I, I cannot do that. You're right. Yeah. And it's that other crew that's just like you said, like, oh, yeah, watch me and they'll do it even more kind of thing. So I think mm -hmm. like. Even if the rules weren't there, I think these people would still step up and like be like, okay, well, watch what I can do. Yeah, you think that mm -hmm. like everyone would kind of fall into that natural hierarchy anyway and just let people yeah, like, tell them the, what to the do. The only and... rules I follow when I'm cooking are like health and safety rules. Yeah, for sure. Other than that, forget about yeah. it. There are no rules. Yeah, that I do the same thing. Pretty valid. Except for <laughs> unless it's on the HelloFresh instructions, then I kind of follow those rules. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to, I want to pivot. Actually, oh, I sorry. Want, no, wait. Speaking of HelloFresh, I would love Frank's take on this sort of thing because. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Meal boxes. I think, think HelloFresh is great. I yeah. think uh, every single company that offers this kind of product because like mm -hmm. it helps people to get into cooking or get out of it in a sense. But even if they're trying to get into it or get out of it, they're mm -hmm. still learning and doing it. Right. So whether yeah. you like cooking or not, if you don't like cooking and you're ordering HelloFresh, you're learning a heck of a lot more whether you want to or not compared to looking at a video on YouTube on how to make mac and cheese, we'll say. Yeah. Right? A so like, thousand especially percent, with yeah. those, you keep yeah. the recipes. So if you want to make it again, like down the line, you can remake it kind of mm -hmm. thing. Plus like, eventually, I don't know. I think people get comfortable enough, or I hope they do anyway, where they can start making these HelloFresh meals without the recipes or mm -hmm. eventually just open the box put the recipe aside and go, Hey, let's see what I can do without the, these guidelines. Let's see if I, you know, and then they can compare it to the, the recipe kind of thing. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I have one more question. I have one more yeah. question. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, one more question before uh, I, I want to pivot to something else. This is a question that's been driving me nuts because uh, I can't find an answer anywhere. Um, and I want to know when you're cooking and you're doing the prep work, how often do you have to wash your hands? Like, do you wash your hands after every time you touch food? And then, cause like I, I watch these, like every, every time I see a chef doing something, they just like wipe their fingers on a towel. I'm like, if I flip the chicken over <laughs> to put salt and pepper on it, do I have to now wash my hand or can I just wipe it on the towel? You know what I mean? Like what, well, what has, are you? Are you flipping the chicken over with one hand, putting the salt with one hand, reflipping it with that hand? Like, it, right. it depends, right? And that's the thing. Like, it comes down to, like, judgment, right? So if you're, like, touching proteins and then you're going to touch vegetables, yeah, wash your hands. But, like, let's say if I'm touching chick- if I'm touching a protein, I'm going to wash my hands for sure. Like, uh, at the restaurant anyway, if it's just for me here, I'm just going to do that finger thing on the towel for sure. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I'm cooking for people... Again, I'm following health and safeties to the max. Like, mm-hmm. especially if I'm like doing like prep at somebody's house for catering. That then it's like yeah, they're watching twenty percent. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm doing more than I should be doing just to, to so they don't have any questions or doubts, kind of thing. But yeah, like it always comes down to what you're prepping and what you're going to touch next. In that sense, let's say like if I'm doing, I'm preparing a steak. You know, like a steak. I'll be less tempted to wash my hands than let's say if I'm going and touching raw chicken. Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like the second I touch raw chicken, yeah. when I'm done, I'm washing my hands. Right. For mm-hmm. sure. For sure. Um, Different level of bacteria. Hey, yeah. speaking of raw exactly. meat, oh, this is the perfect pivot. Hey, can we talk for a second? For, for, for people who don't, who don't uh, know, we have a YouTube channel uh, and we we're do. posting the videos on YouTube. And I think you guys need to go at least like look at the thumbnail on the YouTube, maybe click it just like for who cares. Cause like it doesn't matter, but like, By click accident. It. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just click it. Um, but you need not like, you got to see Frank's face. He's a gorgeous fucking human being. He's just oh, magnificent <laughs> piece of God's work. And he's a fucking like cordon bleu, like highly trained and decorated chef. And, and this motherfucker, is a fucking commando. And, and I knew that was going to come out. And, at some and, point. and I, I need people to understand. I'm not talking like, boy, like this, Frank. Just, just like you, you don't have to go into great detail, but like, tell people what you did and how badass it was. Uh. Okay, so uh, uh, when I got the battalion, like um, the. Like the, the the almost the second I foot I, I I set foot in the battalion, uh, the commander was waiting for me, and uh, he had heard how I did on my phases. I did extremely well on my dismounted phase. So um, mechanized like mechanized, I had a bit more issues. Uh, just yeah, I had real a bit more quick, issues Frank, on mechanized on the mechanized part. So just re- um, real real quick, Frank, just for people yeah. who don't know, dismounted. Oh, yeah, it, it, yeah. Frank is an infant. <laughs> he's a retired infantry officer. Uh, so think infantry soldiering stuff and mounted is whether or not he's using armored vehicles in addition to his soldiers or just, just his soldiers. So sorry, Frank, just so people so, yeah, can so picture, the, yeah. the, 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 thank you for the, the clarification. Uh, and like, 
there's going to be more. Like, they'll be shy to cut me off yeah. if you need to explain stuff. Um, so, yeah, I got the battalion, and the, the commander was like, hey, you're Frank Willette, right? I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, how do you feel about going on a jungle course? I'm like, you know, hell yeah. <laughs> getting the battalion, getting like a like a winning the lottery right away yeah. in that sense. Like, everybody wanted to go on that. So like, is this like the, you become Rambo? Uh, Fuck yeah. I don't know. Sure. Holland? Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 100%. Sure. Sorry, this is, uh, what, the, this is where my mind goes, clearly. This is people yeah. when they ask them, so they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a Rambo course, you know, cool. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, fast forward. I went to a language school for seven months to learn Spanish because this course was in uh, Colombia. Cool. In uh, South America. So I had to learn Spanish, learn Spanish, got pretty okay at it. Uh, got my cuts where I think I got, if I remember properly, I got 2.5s across the board. So I think that would be like a CCC kind of thing if we translate it back to like English, French cuts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in uh, August off we went. And this this was a, it's a, it's called the Lancero course. So we were the first Canadians to go. We were four. I was the only officer, but we were hopefully... Uh, up until now anyway also the last canadians ever to go um just because there's like there's people that die regularly on that course and it's just like you know like uh, time out time out let's let that sink in folks so he's in colombia colombia (laughs) has cartels all over the fucking place they have rebel forces it's it's not the safest area to be in and now they're doing a course that makes people fucking die all right carry on just, just the I want goal, people to not know the goal, but like the challenges are so strenuous that death yeah. is an option. Yeah, that's yeah, wild. You see, it's a it's a whole different world when you're with, like uh, dealing with the military over there versus the military here. You know, like it, it's uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just the way like they're, the the soldiers are treated, officers versus NCOs and CMs kind of thing is just like oh wow, like you would not see that Canada stuff like that would fly. But mind you, this was in. A long time ago. When was this? This was 2014? in like 2012. This was in 2012. So, you know, 12 okay. years ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, things have hopefully changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, you go on the course, and what they did is, like, in the 60s, they sent uh, Colombian officers to do the Ranger course in the States. They brought the package back, and they recreated their commando course with the uh, okay. the Ranger package. The, the Ranger which course? Was, uh, Ranger courses, just for everyone's awareness, like, equate that to Canadian forces ish so people can kind of picture that because i don't think it's is common that, knowledge sorry like that... basic training no so it, it's a it's no. their basic special forces course okay, okay perfect yeah. so they call it the commando course but after that you have the commando course and then you have their special forces course for them i see um so their commando course is uh oh geez <laughs> how how long is this course frank that was i got back uh in december got there in august got 14 weeks wow got 14 okay. weeks yeah and how much of that time you're in Colombia, and and I'll call it administrative, where you're not in the jungle. Uh, in the jungle, we uh, I think we're I want to say eight weeks in the jungle. Oh man, that's almost oh, yeah. that's almost half. I can't believe you guys weren't even in there for yeah, much longer. Half, yeah. God, well, man, I lost forty eight thousand. Of course, man, it was uh, it was something <laughs> like I was one I was one ninety when I got there, and and and. That was I weighed myself when I got back in Canada, so I might have lost more. Yeah. But like numbers wise, I can only say what I was when I left Canada and when when I got back. Mm-hmm. But I'd be curious to see how much I actually 
weighed like let's say the last week we were there we had a week where Mm -hmm. a week a week ish little maybe five days where we just like would be done the course we'd be in back in bogota in a a hotel and just like decompress kind of thing go do what Mm -hmm. you got to do wait for your flight I ate so much cheesecake. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, there's a, this is about cheesecake, right? Well, and hey, I was going to say, there's a theme, recurring theme. Tell yeah, people yeah, yeah. why you were so hungry for something so rich and sweet and just fucking tasty. Yeah. So, why like, were you uh, so anyway, hungry, dude. dude? Why? Oh, yeah. Losing 48 pounds. The, the, the food we, well, the food we got. You know, it's not portions that we're normally used to, like, let's say in Canada. There are small portions. Let's say, like, if you had chicken on your plate while, well, when we were in garrison or on base, like, uh, getting our ass kicked, like, we'd eat, but we'd have, like, our chicken would, f- chicken would be, like, palm of your size would fit right here in your palm kind of thing. Yeah. It's not a lot. It's mostly rice, uh, plantain, and, like, a few veggies kind of thing. And then Starches, you know, like, a, a, a jus on your stuff to try to make it flavorful a bit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But... But, like, I hated Thursdays. Like, okay, so let's get back to the structure of it. The first month was in uh, Tolemaida, on the base in Tolemaida. Hot as hell. Oh, my God, it was so hot. Bogota was freezing. It's like, uh, I think it's like 3,000 meters up at okay. sea level kind of thing. Then you go down to sea level. Oh, it right. was boiling hot. Tolemaida oh is like gosh. a desert. It was crazy. Um, that's the base where the, uh, the Lancero School is. And okay. uh, we'd have, like, our uh, physical and... I'm not sure if this is the proper word, but like a physical endurement or they, they, they get you in shape. Well, they say it's to get you in shape, but it's to weed out, you know, the, the, the endurance. The weed yeah. Out yeah. And like, um, I remember like every night we'd run about like eight to 10 kilometers, like before going to bed kind of thing. Okay. Uh, that's like on a good day. Let's say like this one, like once in a while we get in trouble because we just weren't good enough. Mm. And we do like 12 kilometers, 15 kilometers of like just running around the, 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 the block kind of thing. Like oh it's just crazy. Like that, 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 but it's not even like, like... You, went, you never walked, you always ran rucksack. Let's go full FFO or just running everywhere. Even if you're on base. So mm-hmm. everything has to do with running and everything in that first, four, those first four weeks is all about just beasting you and seeing like, who's going to get through it kind of thing with three PTs mm-hmm. per day. Um, so yeah. Question. So if, I, if yeah. I'm doing my math correctly here, uh, about 10 weeks in the jungle, about one week off in the end, about four weeks in the front end. So those first four weeks, you're sleep deprived, you're malnourished, you're calorie deficient, and then you go and spend 10 weeks in the jungle. Yeah. Uh, to, well, let's say, let's call it seven weeks. Let's call it seven weeks. Uh, but still, like, you're not going in there well prepared. <laughs> but still, yeah. Like, yeah, you, no. you're just being no, deprived no, like, for longer. Like, Yeah, you didn't go into it, like, at your your peak, like, at your utmost peak. Oh, absolutely not. No, yeah. no, no, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the uh, the jungle phase is actually, it's, like, the last module of the course. So, like, it's, uh, and it's the hardest as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Save the best. But anyway, a- anything and everything had to do with, like, beasting you and, like, breaking it out of the ground like it, it was uh it, it it was something but like a a thing that was really nice was that the uh, unarmed combat portion of it was taekwondo and uh, uh-huh. just like, I got in taekwondo so that right there was my time to shine it was great they they kind of picked up there during the classes that I, I kind of, I never told anybody, but like they kind of picked up, I knew what I was doing and they put mm. me against this huge Brazilian special forces guy, man. And like, 
we're finishing off like the uh, the unarmed combat portion at all. These are like the, this is like the last night of it. Mm-hmm. And the guy, as soon as we start going, just punches me straight in the mouth, packing <gasps> the teeth, man. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Shit. <laughs> I just looked at him and I just went like, oh, yeah, that's it. And then he was like, oh, he's like, sorry, man. It's like reflexes. I'm like, yeah, yeah. What reflex? Like, come on. <laughs> anyway. Hey, so in the yeah. jungle, what did so you sorry, do in the jungle? I would just like to, my, my brain just did this this thing where it realized why you going into a kitchen and and working as a chef is easy breezy. Yeah. Because well, compared to this, an experience this past like that, was not easy breezy though. That this, this that's past intense. Oh, okay, interesting. Okay. Yeah, but focus. But we, we jungle. Well, I'll get to that later for sure. Jungle. Yes, right. Back to jungle. Back jungle. To jungle. Focus. Yeah. What happened in the jungle, man? <laughs> oh, that, that, that stays in the jungle. What happens in the jungle is that, yeah. Oh. No, essentially, like, uh, so uh, we had all these modules leading up to the jungle and all that. And, like, uh, even, like, jungle, just our insertion to the jungle was a 42-kilometer march with a 120-pound bag. So that, uh, it was nice because they gave us, like, a like a half an hour break at, like, midpoint. Oh. So we could change our socks or whatever. But, bro, when I got in, I, like, rechanged my socks and, like, I could see where my heel was. My sock melted. There was no more sock. I was just raw dog in my boot in there, man. Like, it was literally <laughs> raw melted. dog in my like, boot. Oh, my I don't God. know if that's the proper term. No, but and anyway, I feel it like it works. Like, uh, I think people understand. Anyway. <laughs> so, like, I'm very fortunate because I've never gotten uh, blisters on my feet from rock marches or boots or whatever. Like, oh. I think I owe that to, like, all the martial arts I've done in my life. Like, a like I got, I got, I got ugly feet because of that. But anyway, they're tough. <laughs> but yeah, so like uh, the jungle was more like a. The first bit of it was more like on teaching you how to survive. So there was a lot of survival uh, challenges, let's call them, that were very not fun. But you know, at the end, you learn how Necessary. to survive in the jungle, and it's yeah. just because that's what the jungle is. It ain't fun. And I remember like a. Eventually, we got we had all these challenges, and again, you're in the jungle. But like, if you're in the uh, one of the camp, we were like on the camp before heading out to the actual patrolling portion and all that. But like, you still ran in the jungle for like eight kilometers, kind of thing, in the morning with your army boots. Uh, it was uh, there was a lot of these challenges, a lot of swimming, swimming in the Amazon rivers. Like a uh, man, oh fuck they that! Us, no like, fucking cross- way! Are you serious? <laughs> So we, cro- we crossed the part at some point where there were piranhas. You could see the piranhas in the yeah, water. I was, was going like, to say, like, there's some stuff that will I'm eat you in there. I'm not worried about the piranhas as much because I know in my mind that they're not the problem. But, yeah, but like, yeah. you can't – it's water that I can't see through freaks me the fuck out. Yeah, you're always taking a chance because in that sense because you, you don't know what's – water's dirty. It's all – you know, there's nothing it, clear just about like it. fucking – like mm-hmm. You can see me trying to swim out there. past seaweed. It's fucking embarrassing. Yeah. I, I touched an electric eel, man. At some point, <gasps> it was uh, like, just touched it with my finger and my whole arm went numb. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was, that was for a challenge, like a challenge in the jungle. So, like, I'll get to that, too. So, anyway... We, we had all this stuff where you're always running. Even in the jungle, you're running. You're doing these challenges, and it's always like – it gets crazy. And uh, once we got to the survival part, it was like five, five – four or five days of survival. So every day you had like different challenges or whatever. So the first day, we were individuals. So they brought us at our respective locations and all that. And I was uh, – Starting to build my shelter, making my fire because you have to get it going through the night. You can't, you can't really sleep because when they come and assess you in the morning, they assess you on the 
how good your shelter is and is your fire still going right mm. and uh i i remember there was like there were vines on the trees where i were where i was so i was like pulling the vines off so i was like wrapping my my, my wood together and all that stuff making my shelter was going great and at some point i had pull on a vine there was a big ball of dirt that fell on my head it was a big fucking ant nest that was in the trees <laughs> well i had ants every i was getting eaten alive it was crazy <laughs> i hate ants today like oh my god and like they we've seen all the types of ants so like at night that's the thing like at night you're like your fire's going and all that and all of a sudden you're like you're looking around grabbing stuff you know i'm still like making my shelter and all that and i realize i'm like the grounds, I'm like, I'm hallucinating. I'm like, holy shit. Like, in my head, I'm like, I'm not that sleep deprived. Why am I hallucinating? But then I looked closely because I could see the ground was moving. Those were all ants. There were ants everywhere. Oh my God. Ants everywhere. Like, they were eating you. Or I was always like, in the back of the neck was the worst. Right. You'd take them off and like the heads would stay in. You'd have to take the ant off, then rip the head off. It was like, yeah. it was. So, on was top of. At some point. Yeah. On top of the insanely, like, just fundamentally difficult aspect of the course, yeah. you're also dealing with these incredibly impactful annoyances, like fucking, like, I, I, I've walked yeah. with heavy things on my back before, and I've been tired and exhausted and wet, and when bugs get on the back of your neck and they just fucking stay there, anything gets in and it's rubbing, it's just fucking just the worst. It's so annoying. Not that I'm a fucking, yeah. not that I'm a commando. I'm I'm, I'm putting that out there, but just it's, I, I can empathize a little bit. Anyway, carry on. Well, basically, you got to go in the jungle. If you're doing stuff like that in like the secondary jungle, like there's a lot of people that say, oh, yeah, I went on vacation. I went in the jungle, bro. That pisses me off so much. They're, they start to compare because like when you go on a vacation and you go in the jungle, you go in the primary jungle. You, you know, you, primary jungle is where vehicles can go. People go on vacation. You still have houses and all that. Secondary jungle, man, like. The first day it took us ten hours to do four kilometers. Just yeah. how dense it was. And if you're talking about the tertiary jungle or like the uh, la, la, la jungle tertiaire, the, it's so thick that it'll take you about ten hours to do four hundred meters. Right. Yeah. Because so, you're just like, clearing a path that whole time, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're clearing a path, and you still got mountains in the jungle and stuff you gotta go yeah. up. There's like you're sliding everywhere. Then these like flash floods you gotta watch out for, and like yeah. you gotta go in with the mentality that everything in the secondary jungle wants to kill you, right? All yeah. the bugs, all the the trees, like a lot of the trees had like big spikes on them, and they're poisonous or the mm. venomous, I should say. Um, it almost sounds like snakes everything the the ants like uh yeah yeah it's, it's crazy so like on top of like the hardship of the terrain and like the, the nature of why you're there there's there's everything that's working against you as well mm-hmm. like there's a guy that had just a little scratch where it got infected oh. like crazy had to you know get evacuated off the course kind of thing there's like oh a, there's a few of those where like there's another guy that caught something i don't know what it was but like around his mouth started to get all like scabs and stuff and i was just like oh you're not looking good for you man <laughs> that's the worst case yeah, of mono he, i've he, ever seen oh, that's oh so we started off cool 75 and we finished 21 good on the officer's yes. side wow so that's including well and on the the ncos i think it was like 
I want to say 120 something, then they finish 70 something. So they like the attrition rate is pretty high. I mean, that's a lot of people. It's like that. The there's a guy that died, but he was on the NCN's platoon, not on the officer's side. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I say that confirmation. I think I think there's an officer that a Colombian Colombian officer that died at some point. They just didn't tell us. He just like got super injured. Where like, well, I said yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we never saw him again. Never heard of him. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he also he belongs like, to the jungle at now. some point. Like he, yeah. So like, uh, no, there's a, a lot of stuff. Anyway, you're going through the jungle and all that, the survival portion, and then like on like every day of the survival, you're doing these different challenges. Well, at mm-hmm. some point, they had to evacuate us because there was just too many ants. Like a kilometer square grid was evacuated because it was just a huge ant hill. Good it was lord, just ants everywhere, and we were just getting eaten alive. Like we were like waiting for to get evacuated i remember we're just like climbing rocks to be on top of rocks so the ants would just stop eating us but no they Mm. they would just come on the rock and eat us anyways yeah yeah and at the end of the uh at the end of the the five four or five days of uh survival which okay little parenthesis before before going on the survival that's when they made the challenge with the electric eel so they had an electric eel in the uh in like a little pool they dug with the tarp kind of thing with dark water you fuck see off it. You are you fucking kidding it. me you could it no, could no. just be a clear tub of water so i know it, like i can just like anticipate <laughs> it coming i don't know where this no. fucking head is i don't know where its ass is like so the thing with that it was officers against ncns and whoever could get the eel out completely out would get to eat during survival because mm. like you weren't allowed to that was four days where you were not allowed to eat you were not allowed to drink anything other than what the staffs gave you which was about 500 milliliters of water per day and electrolytes in it that's it they, you, you couldn't eat food that you found like rip a nope, snake's you'd head get kicked off, off and... you get as soon as they you are caught eating something that you are not giving by the staff given by the staff or whatever you are kicked off course cool. on the spot good to know good to know so, so do you think yeah. sorry i'm this is where my brain goes do you think people who do survivor think that this is what they've done that they've accomplished like do you think they go home and they're like wow i survived something for real meanwhile they have like an entire camera crew and some bs and like they're actually living like quite comfortably I mean, whereas like I mean, what just- you actually did is is surviving <laughs> Yeah, but to a certain extent, you take a civilian and you put him on Survivor. It's like taking a military guy and putting him in on, on a course like that. If you're, if you're, because yeah. like just on a regular basis, no you're so uncomfortable in the army and getting your ass kicked and getting yelled at. Like not all the time, though. But I'm generalizing. But mm-hmm. you know, it gets to a point where I, I don't comparison. know. I think like some probably do, and some are probably humble about it. And let's say on my side, like. I want, I like to recognize that everybody, like we all live on the same planet, but we all live in a different world because of perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Upbringings, personal shit that happened during our lives. Like we all view the world differently. So I think like somebody that is used to watching survivors sitting on the couch, eating a bag of chips and goes on survivor will be by far the hardest thing they will ever accomplish in their life right mm-hmm. to them it's gonna be like yeah. top shit because yeah. it's all they know so they can mm-hmm. brag about it all they want and feel about it all they want but it's all relative on the flip side i guess like i can say the same for me in this course um okay so i think like it's not a comparison in that sense but it's more like i think some do and some don't it depends how awake they are with the situation i see yeah yeah That's cool. yeah so anyway like we got at the end of the uh, at the end of oh yeah the electric eel oh i forgot <laughs> about the eel yeah 
Oh, you that's, forgot or I you pushed it out of your mind. You tiger. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the eel, it was uh, NCOs against officers and uh, one of the uh, one of the officers got it. It was like the Colombian version of the Marines, I guess. He was he was on the course as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got it out. So what we ended up doing when they brought... So what we got to eat was that day they were showing us like... They had like people from like a tribe that was there to show us how to sacrifice like animals. Like let's say a, a, a goat, a duck, a, a lot of different types of fishes and a bit of stuff just like to, 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 to expand on the survival part. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is how you do things. And uh, time out, time out. Sorry, this is this is part of the course, so that because you're not allowed to do that in the jungle, they still need to give you that knowledge. Yeah, because when they go off and do operations in the jungle, this is what they do for survival. You're going to have to do this. I think they have like one replenishment per week or two weeks by helicopter once in a while, kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. the rest is like. You got what you got in your bag. Otherwise, you're like, man, I did AOC with with a Colombian special forces major. Oh, nice, man. Nice. Yeah. It it was fucking wild. I I got a funny story to tell you about that later. It's not not good for the podcast, but it's definitely. (laughs) And not because it's badass. It's because, like, it's really that bad. It's just a terrible story, but it's it's funny for me. Anyway. I I believe you, man. it's uh, it, yeah. Anyway, the eel. Um, so yeah, so the fishes that were they were showing us that day, that's what they gave us like four days down. So like you think of like fish wasn't fresh anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, by the time like you starting to eat it, it's like uh, you're you're like okay, I haven't eaten in four days, but I wouldn't normally do this, you know. Yeah, um, you're taking so we a ended bit up of by sharing with the NCOs anyway, because like fuck, we're we gotta we can't we we couldn't watch the guy we well we wouldn't. We couldn't watch the guys not eat while we're eating. We're like, uh-uh, yeah, uh-uh, that's no, no bueno. Yeah. yeah. So uh, on the fifth day, no bueno. on the fifth morning, that's uh, they woke us up, which uh, the, the last night was more like a, a platoon thing or like a, an everybody thing where we had like this huge shelter, two fires going, and we're kind of rotating for the fire watches and all that. So we're, mm-hmm. they, uh, they woke us up at like, I want to say like at five in the morning, man, with like flashbangs and like, actual gunshots no bfas right. no blanks like actually shooting like real live live rounds so i would what's, what's the template like, okay, in the amazon rainforest well, it's a zero fuck degree is this man like flashbangs nine bangers and real 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 bullets you're like okay then you're like wondering what's going on people are grabbing you you start to get kicked and punched and you realize like you know they're dressed as like farks and you're like oh shit what's going on oh my so like God. they beat the shit out of us for like half an hour and then rounded us up and like uh, blindfolded us with a blindfold put our tunics over our head and then uh, they got us to grab like the guy in front of us like the, his belt and we just walked in the jungle for like from probably at that point it's probably like six in the morning up until like one or two in the afternoon kind of thing they would just okay. walked us we just walked and walked and, and walked not and, easy like, terrain either right and you're blindfolded. No, you're like, and you, mind you, like, we're bare feet, no equipment, no yeah. nothing, just yeah. like you're you're prisoner. You know, walking in the jungle bare feet ain't that great. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and he, I was walking at, at some point. I I, uh, I sort of tripped over over like a big vine, but I felt somebody grab me. So I was like, okay, this is cool. Maybe it's not like what we think it is or whatever. And uh, you're like, maybe I don't die today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And eventually, like, that person started shoving me instead to make sure I fell. And mm. at some point, I got, I was just like, this is, I'm, I was like, I'm, I'm done. 
uh, at this point, like after five days, like at well, five day, after everything, like uh, there's right. more to it that I'm saying that happened on the course, course that's like, uh, yeah, like holy shit kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're also like on a time crunch. <laughs> no problem. So anyway, this person eventually started shoving me and at some point started kneeing me in the quads and punching me in the ribs. And I was like, I'm like pushing. I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, okay. At some point, I'm just like, okay, I'm done. Fuck you. Fuck these guys. This is bullshit. And blah, 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 and whatever. And while I was, uh, while I was like mouthing off to this guy, still blindfolded or whatever, I heard like footsteps. And I was like, uh-oh. And I just got punched right in the stomach. I dropped right to the ground. And like these two guys just started whipping me with whips until I cried. That's when they stopped, you know? So, uh, the guy said like, you know, this is not a course. Like we're the fart. We captured you guys, blah, blah, blah. And like the simulation kind of went on with that. But like later on, I could hear like whip, whips cracking on other people, people screaming and all that. I'm like, okay, uh, okay. I'm like, shit, you know? So your mind starts yeah. like, are we really, are we still on the course or is this like, where are we going with this? This is yeah. kind of intense, you know? Because if you're really far, and, uh, I'm going to try to find a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at some point, like, I was so dehydrated, I just started, like, dry heaving. I was yeah. puking, nothing was coming out, because you're already... Good Lord. ...haven't eaten anything and drank anything in, like, four or five days. Mm. And, like, just because I was puking, I got the shit kicked out of me again, because they said, oh, stop faking, blah, 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 and all this. So, like, right there, it was, it was, a, it was a rough start to it right there. Hey, mm-hmm. I got a and, question. Uh, actually, yeah. Do you do you think your love of, you know, cooking was maybe a result of not eating for like three months? Extreme deprivation. Well, no, because like at <laughs> We're eating like shit, shit, shit food. I think at this point I had already developed okay, fair like enough. the whole yeah. cooking stuff. All right, good. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. Yeah. But I mean it's it's uh I wouldn't be opposed to exploring and developing on that a bit more on uh, on personal time, let's say. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe over some, yeah. uh, what did we talk about earlier? I can't remember. Man, it could be, man. It could be. Anyway, so like eventually like uh, they bring us, we, they shove us in a boat, you know, they put tarps over us just to hide us and like they, they we go off for like... I don't know. I want to say like a good hour boat ride kind of thing. And at some point you get there, they get you off. You're on this little Island fucking whatever. So what they did is that at some point there's their, uh, their, the, the last arrows or their, their special forces or commandos or whatever. They did an actual hit on an actual rebel camp to save, um, detainees. Right. They recreated that camp and they, uh, interviewed all the people that were saved from there to recreate as much as possible exactly what military personnel go through when they're captured by the FARC. Got it. Okay. So um, They went to I mean, great lengths got... to make it very realistic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, it, you know, it, Jenna, it was, Jenna uh... they made it realistic. Yeah. It was yeah, just, they, yes. they didn't, they yeah, didn't they replicate real. it. They duplicated. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. At that point, like Thank when you. we were blindfolded Sorry. and going in, they also like zip tied our hands and I was bleed. my wrists were bleeding. Like, right. I was like, shit. <laughs> Uh, anyway, they uh, they made us crawl through like a little hole in oh, the ground that was like full of water. I think that like, would on be the other side of like a, no. a, a fence, right. yeah. The camp. Then they just all huddled <laughs> us up, and after that, the, uh, the 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 brainwashing started. Let's say we met like the the leader of the camp and all the staffs and all that stuff, and they were talking to us like exactly like Fark lingo. What the Fark would say, like that the mm-hmm. you know like uh, to tell us that the, we're captured, we're gonna die here. or 
Are, are countries aware that we're captured, but they deny that we exist kind of thing. And our family doesn't want to fucking have anything to do with us anymore. So they're really like playing and they're, they're giving you all these rules and showing you all these stress positions and what's going to happen if you don't listen. And that you always have to be like in a, a submittive body kind of lingo kind of thing, head down, always repeating the word solo. So every, the whole time you have to say solo, solo. So if you don't, you get whipped. So essentially on that camp, as soon as you did something wrong, you got whipped. It was like the whips wouldn't break skin, but they'd leave like big fucking purple welts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, they talked to us all about that. They got the they got us to rip all the badges, everything off, no buttons, no belts, no nothing. So like uh, I remember like uh, I was ripping my badge off, my whole sleeve came off. You're captured by Fark and they're like, rip your yeah. badges off and just like <laughs> Oh yeah, but at I that point my arm was like you. big like this, bro. It wasn't uh Yeah, <laughs> sure. Oh, You're right. I keep forgetting how fucking deprived you were to my back. Yeah. So anyway, they, there's that. And like they uh they just they, they were very big on the brainwashing thing. And like once everything started, like uh there were thirteen torture stations or either by physical work or by mental torture. Uh, most of the time it was uh it was physical. The the, the only mental one was like a like a little coffin, but it was standing up with a slit right where your eyes are. So they'd shove you in there and be too small for us because like Colombians are smaller than than, than us, we'll say. <laughs> um, and they would just like shove you in there and lock you in there. The only thing you could see is everybody getting the shit kicked out of them at all the stations and you're just there and you can't do anything kind of thing. So mm. that was rough. And there's another one where... Uh, if if this is too much for the podcast, let me know. No, I this is no, no. I was going to say, like, that, that sounded like a uncomfortable albeit sweet break you know well, that that was the easiest station yeah you guys are yeah so the staff like the staffs would come around and like harass you spit in your face or at some point they were uh they would throw literally piss and shit in your face uh with like from a bucket it was uh yeah it was something but like there's other stations where like I don't know, there was like a stick out of the ground that was maybe like a max three feet high. Just high enough that when you're on your knees, they can put a chain around your neck yes. and lock it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. on the, on the, okay. on the thing. But now you're like, your bare feet. And they want you to keep your bare feet and just sh- shut up and whatever. But like once in a while, I get like a slap in the face when a, a staff was coming by. Or like what they like to do at that station was like give themselves like a momentum and whip you as hard as they could with their whip in the palm of your foot. Oh, holy! My whole body recoil. This whole this like this scene, the of of like this happening. How long is this? Twenty four seven, or twenty four seven for four night, three days, four nights, or four or three nights, four days, kind of thing. But you didn't know that going into it, did you? Pardon? Did you know how long it was going to be when you went into the scenario? That's what I thought. Yeah. Nope. nope. Yeah. That's nope. fucking. Well, no, and like, they uh, had them believing that they were they were going to. Oh yeah, like in our heads, like they tell us we're 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 we'd be there for like three four months, then switch to a different camp, switch to a different. You know, there was like a rotation of camps kind of thing. So okay. like it's like holy shit, man. And I mean, yeah. this is just replicating what what people have done in in these in conflict situations. It's like the Vietnam War. Yeah. So so the, the FARC wouldn't treat the civilians like this. They would treat the military yeah, personnel yeah. like this. Right. They, yeah. they represented uh, the people, right? 
or represent yeah, yeah, the people. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, let's say in front of that little stick station there, I'll call it a stick station, but you'd have to look at the guy that's hanging, hanging in the tree by his wrists, by ropes. And like, when I was there, they, they would like pull my pants down, like whip me on the quads kind of thing with their whips. It was, everything had to do with whips. So every X amount, every hour about you'd, you'd switch, you would switch stations, okay. but like within the switching stations, you'd have to get on the ground on your elbows and on your knees, like, yeah. and they would just like whip you. It was always whips. <laughs> so in your mind, like, what is, what is getting you through this? What are you saying to yourself? What is, what is running through your, your head? Uh, holy shit. So many things. Right. Um, you know, for probably that, me. for, 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 for oh, that camp, call, part, for, for, the, the, for the conduct after capture specifically, uh, I just told myself I had to get back home to see my nephew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is really nice. Uh, and and yeah. you know what? To 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 to, to put a, a nice spin on this, you know, Frank talks about what he had to do to get through tough situations, and 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 Frank is actually one of the first people that helped get me through a tough situation. Um, and it wasn't like. It, in in hindsight, it doesn't sound like much, but at the time, I'm going through something that was really difficult for me, which was my face training. Um, and I'm an armored officer, so my face training was always mounted. Fuck yeah. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> we were told one day it was fucking raining. Ugh, it was raining. And, and for us, it's it's so annoying when it's raining because... And same thing for, I guess, for everyone. Like, when it's raining, we, we live and die in the field by our maps. And you can't write mm-hmm. shit on your fucking map when it's oh. raining. So that's why I, I hate the rain so much. And I'm in my vehicle, and I'm like, yo, driver, is the heat on? He goes, you got it, boss. And the heat's on, and we're rolling around, and I'm fucking soaked from the waist up, but I'm nice and toasty from the waist down. It's a very weird way to live. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to get through the day. It's fucking Gage Town. Everyone hates it. And we were told we all had to pull over where we were in the in the training area. And this just happens on the radio, so it doesn't matter. They just said, hey, there's some infantry guys running around. You guys need to just hold tight. And uh, and uh, we got to let these guys go through. Yeah, just so that there was no accidents, right? Like, mm-hmm. we're not the mm-hmm. Colombians. We're on. We're just, we're not going to let someone die because they got run over by some fucking half dry, half wet moron. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my god so i'm sitting there mm-hmm. just like fucking standing in the rain i i hated being on course i absolutely fucking i despise like i won't say despise i just i, I didn't like the way courses work I, I i don't like the way things happen anyway and i just really hated being away from family and friends too like that was a huge part for me but i'm standing there and just fucking i'd say commiserating but no one was with me my fucking driver can't see me um <clears throat> anyway i see this fucking shock of blonde hair go by like and then i look at over my vehicle and i can see all these fucking infantry people going and you know who the the blonde one was yeah, yeah but yeah. uh fucking here comes frank he's got a fucking uh machine gun on him and he's got uh for for people in the military they understand what the small pack is uh for people who aren't in the military the small pack is is just like a regular sized backpack but it's it's cat pat and it's also terrible. Um, and Frank's got a fucking like rocket launcher with fucking rockets in the back, and he's and I'm like, hey Frank, what's going on? And he's like, what the fuck? 
I'm gonna miss H hour and he just fucking keeps going on. and from that moment on I was like holy shit I'm having the best fucking day this is incredible that was a that was actually I was in the breach for that yeah yeah of course yeah you're right. you're the one making sure everyone got there on time anyway you uh you were a, a positive force for me that day and honestly it it was a it was just a nice uh reminder that there's always things that are worse and it's kind of something that's stuck with me since then so i've always been very mindful of how you know it it could always be worse because it was definitely shittier for you my legs were tired from standing on my seat your legs were tired from fucking hoofing all that shit everywhere um frank i'm gonna knock it on the head there it's been this is one of the longest episodes i think we've ever done hey jenna Oh, nice. Most definitely with the guest. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, and I, I, again, this happens every time. I feel like there's still so much more we could, we could discuss. No, there's going to be a part two for sure. Have you again. But one thing, I just want to reiterate a few things. And Frank, correct me if I'm wrong on any of these. Okay. Beautiful. Check. Kind soul. Check. Chef. Check. Commando. Check. Single. Check. Let's go, ladies. I choose to be single. I'm not looking. No, 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 oh, no. no. Choose, I know. Okay. He's, he's, he's saying that because none of the right ones have found him yet. But mm. uh, no, well, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 part of the uh, the journey, I guess. Uh, especially since uh, sorry, getting guys, back. I want to be clear here. Street. That wasn't meant to point out the fact that you're single. I'm saying you're the. Full oh, it package. wasn't because it kind of seemed like. No, I, I, I was. I realized that this, this, I. I was. I'm just trying to say, like, you're. You're. You talk about that caviar is a great deal. Well, fucking, a tin of Frank goes a long way. Gotcha. Thank Colin, you. as always, uh, a hype man to to all of your friends. Yeah, I don't keep company with people that aren't the best do you know what i'm saying like uh, yeah. I, I i don't so frank tell people where you're at what you do and if they want to know more how they can do that and, and or if they would like you to cater for them yeah yeah because we got people yeah, all over the world that listen to us True. Yeah, sure. I, got the, well, I got a website it's uh shewelly's catering.com uh, you can contact me through that my instagram is uh frank's kitchen.tv i think my tiktok's the same tiktok's the same yeah. and my facebook i just use my personal facebook to like uh, throw stuff around mm-hmm. um where i'm at northern new brunswick but i have gone to moncton a few weeks ago to do a 12 course meal for a, a group of four fantastic that was uh that was that was fun a lot of work a lot of work it was my first time cooking a 12 course meal but it's just to say that yeah i offer five courses but i'm also up to doing like three and whatever you know like uh, i just offer five because it's something new something people aren't a lot of people say yeah. oh i didn't know that was possible exactly, you know yeah. Like, yeah, that's five possible course, yeah yeah so like uh, yeah i cater normally for a, a five course meal like i like i say i do groups up to 12 and it's a uh, it's 100 bucks per people person but i bring caviar i bring champagne and we have a blast Jenna, we gotta get him like if, if you come because they these guys live just down the road like an hour and a half mm-hmm. so you, jenna uh, and jordan we, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, where do you live uh we're in port hope do you know where that is oh no i don't i don't know where port so, hope is so if you, you know drive east from toronto it's about an hour okay okay gotcha yeah. gotcha yeah. okay so like an hour and 15 on a good day from us so if you mm-hmm. come visit bring bring some we'll oh, we'll have you cater for us. and then i'll cook for no. you 
because I need you to experience when I come visit, you know, my flavors. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Hey, Frank, listen, yeah. I want to thank you so much because I know you're in New Brunswick and it's an hour ahead uh, for you. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you because you're super late for you. You got to get your beauty sleep because obviously <laughs> that takes work. And uh, I, I just, I just want to say thanks. Awesome that you're, you're, you're doing your catering stuff and you're, you're out there, you're fucking figuring it out and you're doing what you want to do. And I just really admire that. So thanks for coming on and sharing Agreed. that message with everyone. I really appreciate it, dude. Yeah, Man, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I had a, this was, this was awesome. I had a blast. I'll do it again anytime. Man. Fantastic. Looking Glad forward to, to having it. you again. All right. And to our listeners, uh, you know, check out frankskitchen.tv. Shea Welly, his name is, uh, is Acadian. So it's O-U-E-L-L-Y. Shea Welly, not W-E-L-L-Y. Uh, that, uh, yes. that will take you to the yes. right website. I will, I will, uh, I'll make sure all of those proper links get added onto the awesome. episode description. And so people can, can easily access. All, all right, right guys, get over to Frank's yeah. socials and blow them up. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Toodles. Well, thank you very much. See you guys. Have a good night, guys.